0: Hi, this is Danny Whitaker with Devoted to Scripture. I'm reading through the Bible in a year and sharing my reading with you. This is day 325 of our journey. In today's reading, Paul asks a profound question. Knowing that we are justified by faith and not the law, what purpose does the law serve? Instead of a nearly impossible pathway to God, Paul explains that the law reveals our sinful nature and, ultimately, our need for the Savior. We have been given the Holy Spirit to set us free from the law of sin and death. By God's grace, the Spirit will never be removed from us and will work in us and through us to accomplish good for the glory of God. Paul affirms that God's gift of the Holy Spirit comes solely because of His mercy on us and could never be earned by our own efforts. Rather, God, in His mercy, has chosen us to be His children. Similarly, He has chosen to reveal how great His mercy is by allowing others to reject Him and receive the punishment for that rejection. Join me in Romans 7-9 through 9 and take comfort in the life-giving mercy of the Father. Romans 7. Or do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is Lord over a person as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of the marriage. So then, if she is joined to another man while her husband is alive, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she is joined to another man, she is not an adulteress. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you could be joined to one another, to the one who was raised from the dead, to bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful desires, aroused by the law, were active in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law because we have died to what controlled us so that we may serve in the new life of the spirit and not under the old written code. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Absolutely not. Certainly I would not have known sin except through the law. For indeed, I would not have known what it means to desire something belonging to someone else if the law had not said, Do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of wrong desires. For apart from the law, sin is dead. And I was once alive apart from the law. But with the coming of the commandment, sin became alive, and I died. So I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it I died. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good, then, become death to me? Absolutely not. But sin, so that it would be shown to be sin, produced death in me through what is good, so that through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, But I am unspiritual, sold into slavery to sin. For I don't understand what I am doing, for I do not do what I want. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I do what I don't want, I agree that the law is good. But now it is no longer me doing it, but sin that lives in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For I want to do the good, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but I do the very evil I do not want. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer me doing it, but sin that lives in me. So I find the law that when I want to do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see a different law in my members waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the life-giving Spirit in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law could not do because it was weakened through the flesh. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and concerning sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirement of the law may be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their outlook shaped by the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their outlook shaped by the things of the Spirit. For the outlook of the flesh is death, but the outlook of the Spirit is life and peace because the outlook of the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to the law of God, nor is it able to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, this person does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, Your body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is your life because of righteousness. Moreover, if the Spirit of the One who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, the One who raised Christ from the dead will also make your mortal bodies alive through His Spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery leading again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are God's children And if children, then heirs, namely, heirs of God, and also fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that our present sufferings cannot even be compared to the coming glory that will be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of God who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers together until now. Not only this, but we ourselves also, who have the firstfruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with endurance. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how we should pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes on behalf of the saints according to God's will. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that his Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is the one who will condemn? Christ is the one who died, and more than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, and who also is interceding for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, For your sake, we encounter death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we have complete victory through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation— will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 9 I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying, for my conscience assures me in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed, cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, my fellow countrymen who are Israelites. To them belong the adoption as sons, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, by human descent, came the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. It is not as though the word of God had failed, For not all those who are descended from Israel are truly Israel. Nor are all the children Abraham's true descendants. Rather, through Isaac will your descendants be counted. This means it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God. Rather, the children of promise are counted as descendants. For this is what the promise declared, About a year from now I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but when Rebecca had conceived children by one man, our ancestor Isaac, even before they were born or had done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose in election would stand, not by works, but by his calling. It was said to her, The older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice with God? Absolutely not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it does not depend on human desire or exertion, but on God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may demonstrate my power in you and that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. So then, God has mercy on whom he chooses to have mercy, and he hardens whom he chooses to harden. You will say to me then, Why does he still find fault? For who has ever resisted his will? But who indeed are you, a mere human being, to talk back to God? Does what is molded say to the molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right to make from the same lump of clay one vessel for special use and another for ordinary use? But what if God, willing to demonstrate His wrath and to make known His power, has endured with much patience the objects of wrath prepared for destruction? And what if He is willing to make known the wealth of His glory on the objects of mercy that He has prepared beforehand for glory? Even us, whom He has called not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As he also says in Hosea, I will call those who were not my people, my people, and I will call her who was unloved, my beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out on behalf of Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel are as the sand of the sea, only the remnant will be saved, for the Lord will execute his sentence on the earth completely and quickly, just as Isaiah predicted. If the Lord of heaven's armies had not left us descendants, we would have become like Sodom, and we would have resembled Gomorrah. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness obtained it, that is, a righteousness that is by faith, but Israel, even though pursuing a law of righteousness, did not attain it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but, as if it were possible, by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written, Look, I am laying in Zion a stone that will cause people to stumble, and a rock that will make them fall. Yet the one who believes in him will not be put to shame. Thank you for joining me on our shared walk through Scripture today. Devotion to Scripture doesn't begin and end here. My prayer is that you will be encouraged to dig deeper and spend some additional time in God's Word today. If you're looking for a great place to start, check the episode description where you will always find a few key verses from the day's reading to reflect on further. I'd love to hear from you. How is God using this podcast to help you grow? How can I be praying for you? Email me at devotedtoscripture at gmail.com. It's amazing seeing a passage come alive as we understand its place in the whole story of the Bible. Knowing and ultimately being a part of that story is the most important undertaking of your life. Join me tomorrow to continue the journey. Be devoted to Scripture.